1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It's Young Bucks time on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network, your Pittsburgh Pirates prospects podcast of choice. I've got Corey Geiger with me now. We got a little bit different of a layout this year than we have in the past. We're going to be talking top 10. We're going to be talking prospects. We're going to be talking about all of it.
0: Corey, welcome aboard. Let's tell the listeners what we're going to be doing. I think Pirates fans are really going to enjoy this. We're going to rank each week the top 10 Pirates prospects. Um, So, look, you can get prospect rankings anywhere uh, from some other outlets. We're doing these internally because here at DK Pittsburgh Sports, we've got people who know the Pirate system at the Major League level and the Minor League level very well. I've covered the Altoona curve for 24 years. Jared's covered the curve and the Pirates. We've got Alex Stump with the Pirates in the big leagues. Chris Halleck in the big leagues as well. So we're going to do our own top 10 rankings, Jared, and and we're going to base this on some current production and and levels of play for these guys, plus future projections. And ranking prospects can be a little bit of a challenge, but we figured, and DK came up with this, and it is a brilliant idea, you can get your Pirates rankings from some other places where guys – are seeing these prospects every now and then we live this. I, I, Jared and I, we live watching the Altoona curve play every day. We follow the system. We've seen all these guys much more than most of these people ranking these prospects. So we're going to have a good time with this every week. The rankings will change every week a little bit because if if a guy gets hot, it's going to be kind of a fluid system and we'll move them up and down here a little bit every week.
1: Right. I think that's, what's kind of cool about it too, is it's going to be different in Different is always good, and it's always interesting to see because we we base this on four different um, sources for our top ten, and it's nothing that we're pulling from MLB or Baseball America. This is the four writers that we have on the baseball staff at DK Pittsburgh Sports between Chris, Alex, at, in the bigs, and Corey and I here in the minor leagues. So that's what I think we're, we're most excited to give you this week in and for the rest of the season for that matter is where we think these guys are. And it's going to include a bunch of different things, not only just the rankings, but we're going to be able to sit down and and talk with some of these prospects. I'm going to be in Indianapolis later this week to talk with Mason Martin and Rodolfo Castro and and manager Miguel Perez. So we're going to have a bunch of different things coming at you here in the podcast. I think that's what I'm most excited for.
0: I want to point out for all Pirates fans out there, the challenge of doing a top 10 prospect list. So what we did was Jared... Alex, Chris, and I, we all submitted our own top 10. We discussed some, and for the most part, the top five or six were pretty similar. They were all the same guys and mostly in the same order. It gets a little different, seven, eight, nine, 10. And so we discussed and debated some things. Here's the challenge, okay? I'm sitting here in Altoona. Blake Sable is the best hitter that the Altoona curve have right now. If I I needed a hit from anybody in the Pirates system right now today, I'd choose Blake Sable. Blake Sable's hitting 310 with a 919 OPS, six homers, 28 RBIs. He's not in our top 10 prospects, though, because the challenge of doing a top 10 prospect is we have to look at so many different factors, not just current stats, but also not just projections either. We've got to balance these things. We've got to look at age. We've got to look at, are you an age-appropriate player in a given league and everything? And like I said, the best hitter that the Altoona Curve have right now to me is Blake Sable. But he's 24 years old. And traditionally, the last, you know, 15 years ago that would have been perfectly fine for the Double-A level. The Pirates like to have younger players in Double-A now, so 21-22 is kind of more the norm. So Blake Sable for instance is not in our top 10 even though I went to bad for him because there there are some projection things that maybe he doesn't project as high as some other guys here.
1: Yeah. And also we don't have guys that are currently in the bigs on the list. So Ronzi Contreras isn't going to be found on our list, even though right. he very well should be. Um, but, you know, it, it'll be fun to see where we're at. And it's going to be difficult too, because you've got multiple different levels here because you've got the complex league, you've got rookie ball, you've got low A, high A, you've got double A and triple A. So, you know, the prospects are spread throughout the system.
0: Um, it'll be interesting to see what we come up with each week. Yeah, and we are going to do this every week. So this will be some of, the, uh, some of the discussion that we have. And I do want to throw out one more name. Matt Gorski, he has 18 home runs this year. He's not in our top 10 prospect list. Well, why? That's ridiculous. The guy's crushing the ball. He's got 18 homers, one of the best home run hitters in the minor leagues. And again, and, and Gorski was a, a high draft pick, a second round pick in, in 2019. Again, just some of the discussion that we had, he, did, he just didn't quite make the top 10 because there are other guys in the top 10 that we may feel like maybe have a little bit more higher upside uh, down the road. So again, that is, this is always a challenge for me, Jared, when we're looking. I've, been, I've covered A for 25 years. Me personally... I kind of don't really give a crap about what you do until you get to double A. That's always been my philosophy. It's fine. You're crushing it in low A or you're crushing it in high A. You know how many dozens of players I've seen crush it in high A and come up to double A and stink? Dozens. So for me, double A is always kind of the weeding out process. I need to see you do something here a little bit more. But we just wanted to mention this. We're going to get in our our top ten here in the second and third segments, but there are various criteria. Some of it's the eye test. Some of it is projection. Uh, and again, Matt Gorski's 24 years old again, and he just got to double a last week. So should that be held against him? Well, it is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just being realistic. Matt Gorski's a good player. He's got good numbers, but typically speaking, when pe- people rank these prospects, they'll look at age, they'll look at, you know, your age appropriate level. And, and they'll base a lot of considerations on that.
1: Right. So without further ado, let's take a short break, and then we'll come back with our picks from 10 to 6 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome back to Young Bucks on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Prugard. Let's get into it. Corey, at number ten, we have G1 Bay. Everybody loves curve bay ball, and he is currently in Indianapolis. Uh, infielder, outfielder type player. Uh, it's a versatility the Pirates love, um,
0: and I you know it, it's very warranted that he is on this list. I like Juwan Bay. He could be a good uh, utility guy. He's number 10. Uh, he, he's a guy that could play some short, could play some second, can play some outfield. We, we've got him in number 10. Um, maybe could be a little bit high. He's only 22 years old. And so, again, a lot of what you hear us talk about is the age appropriateness stuff. He's in AAA at 22 years old. He's having a real good year uh, with the, the Indianapolis Indians. He's batting 287, The OPS is 833. Ah, uh, five homers, twenty-five RBIs, ten doubles already. Jared, in forty-seven games. So we've got Jawan Bay, and that was a that was he was he appeared on most of our lists, our rankings list. He might could have been a spot higher, but I, I'm I'm comfortable having him in the top ten. Yeah, the
1: knock on Jawan Bay has not been the stuff that he's done on the field. I think he won healthy last year, he was good in Altoona. Finally found a power stroke um, later in the season. He's already hit five home runs this year in Triple A, three triples. Um, and, and statistically, it is better in almost every category. Um, now, it's not a full body of work just yet, but it's a good sign through. Let me see here through ooh, a little over 30 games. They've got or closer to 40 games. He's got 11 stolen bases. He had 20 all of last year in Altoona. Uh, he maxed out at 31 in 2019 at uh, in Greensboro. So he's got that. Um, he's got the speed now that he can hit for power and for average. I mean, he's hitting 287 on the year. And I think, you know, that's very admirable for for a guy like uh, like him. Again, the issue for him wasn't the stuff on the field. It's the off the field stuff that has really thrown up some red flags for Jiwan Bay, though. He, it does, think, does seem to, to think that that history is behind him and that he's moved on from that.
0: All right, and we'll go to number nine now. We've got Jared Jones. He is a uh, right-handed pitcher, second-round draft pick in 2020. He is at high A Greensboro. The opposite of what we were talking about with a Blake Sable or a Matt Gorski in terms of age, Jared Jones is 20 years old. Now, listen, here's what's interesting. Me personally, I did not have Jared Jones in my top ten, but we discussed this as a staff, and collectively we feel like Jared Jones's stuff and upside and potential are all off the charts because he has tremendous stuff. But Jared uh, Jared Jones has a 5.4 ERA in 10 starts at high Greensboro. So why are we including a guy that's got a 5.4 ERA in 10 starts in high? Well, he's 20 years old. He's striking out 12.3 batters per nine innings. He's got 59 Ks in 43 in the third innings. So the stuff is there. He does have 41 hits in 43 innings, so he's getting hit. So this, again, this is part of, as we discussed in the first segment, who's a better baseball player today on June 6, 2022? Blake Sable or Jared Jones? To me, pretty simple. I'd take Blake Sable. But he's 24 years old. Jared Jones is 20. So when we're doing prospect rankings, and this is always something people have to keep in mind, Jared Jones could be a guy that pitches in the big leagues for a long time with the tremendous stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, the stuff is there, the stuff plays. Um, The issue for him is he can't avoid the long ball. He's given up eight home runs this year uh, and his walks, he's walked 19 in his outings, but he's racked up 59 Ks. And you know, you look at that body of work in it and it's weird Um, because yeah, you would expect the ERA to be better, but you know, he's two, two and three. If you care about wins and losses as a starting pitcher um, in 10 games, he's, It's 43 and a third innings. The issue is he's given up nearly a hit per inning and he's given up eight home runs. You can't, you have to avoid the long one. Now, granted Corey, you've seen some minor league baseball games this year with me. There's something funky going on with the ball and it's, you know, it's kind of alarming, but at the same time, again, you know, through 18 games last year, he had a hundred and he had 103 Ks through 10 games this year. He has 59 Ks. So he's, right on track to, to overcome that. Now I think the walk rate is, has got to improve, you know, again, he's only 20. And I think that's, that's the factor here for me. Uh, number one, he's got a great name. Um, personally, he spells <laughs> it, he spells it pretty badly, um, but he's more of the jewelry store. I'm, you know, kind of my, my own, but uh, the, for me, it's the youth. And again, it, going from, from Bradenton to, to Greensboro, you know, how much of this is, is self-inflicted, you know, if he's going to miss in the, he does miss in the zone quite a bit. Um, so he's throwing strikes, but they're also being hit too.
0: Really no debate on our n- number eight choice. Uh, Anthony Salamato, 19 year old kid, uh, uh, taken in the second round of last year's draft. He is at low a Bradenton, 129 ERA and two starts. He started a couple games, only thrown seven innings. So we're talking about a limited body of work here. And again, he- Again, we're talking projection and upside and everything. Uh, Salome Doe, terrific uh, young prospect. We don't have a whole lot of numbers or anything to go on yet, but all of us here on the staff uh, really seem to think he has a terrific future.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you look at his look at the scouting grades, you got the fastball at 55, slider at 55, change up at 50. Um, he's got control 55 and overall 50. It, he's going to be a pretty good baseball player. I think, uh, when it's all said and done, um, and he, this is a guy that, you know, was going to go to North Carolina, North Carolina is playing, uh, was playing the college world series. So he was heavily recruited by, by quality, uh, collegiate baseball program, signed with the pirates. Um, and you know, I, the, the stuff plays, and, and again, he's got one of the more funky, the, one of the funkier deliveries uh, that I've seen. But at the same time, man, as a lefty, I mean, you've seen some guys that that shouldn't be in the league, but they're in the league because they're
0: left handed. And Jared, will that will he be able to hold up? You you were a left handed pitcher. You've worked with pitchers. I, it, look, we want to be positive and optimistic and say he'll be OK with that with that delivery. But will he be that that is a legitimate question? Yeah. And I mean,
1: or is he going to get with a coach that's, you know, going to have issues with that? So I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I, as, as from a coaching standpoint, I want to let him pitch and do his thing, uh, whatever that means, because it's worked for him so far,
0: but again, very raw, very, you know, one of those deals. We so both I- coach, we both coach youth baseball folks. Jared and I both do. I think you let a kid, a young person develop his or her, her own style and not everybody fits into a cookie cutter mold. And sometimes if you do some weird things in your mechanics or delivery or whatever, you can still be successful. Tim Lincecum is the perfect example. The freak was a phenomenal pitcher, but it also ruined his career early. I mean, the, the, the pressure that Tim Lincecum put on his, on his arm and his shoulder and everything ended up shortening his career. Now he was phenomenal for a short period for a, for a period of time, but there, there are realities from a physical standpoint uh, of the way you throw and all and that, again, that would, that is something that you see with Salamato all the time. People wondering about the delivery.
1: Yeah. And I mean, was Linskin stuff because of his, or were his issues because of the delivery or what I like more simplified, but again, I want to let Anthony Salamato be Anthony Salamato. All right. Um, so let's move up the list. Corey, Let's go to number seven, Indy Rodriguez, catcher yep, outfield. Uh, currently, um, you know, one of the one of the up and coming prospects on this list.
0: Yeah, very high, very highly thought of a lot of upside. He's hitting 259, six homers, 21 RBIs, a 784 OPS uh, at Greensboro. Again, I'll come back to Blake Sable. Blake Sable is having a better year in double A than Indy Rodriguez is at high A. But one is twenty-two, one's twenty-four, and when we talk projection, so again, the, these are the discussions that are very interesting. How is Indy Rodriguez in our top ten, but not Blake Sable, who's having a fantastic double-A year? Um, so, but Indy is a, a very good player. Again, twenty-two years old from the Dominican, uh, versatile, and and look, he plays uh, he plays uh, the catcher position. He can also go out in the outfield. That's a pretty cool combination, Jared. Yeah, you don't really see that. And let's
1: be real; the reason why he is not a catcher predominantly anymore mm-hmm. is because of Henry Davis. Who we'll right. talk about um, in the set in the third segment, um, not to give anything away, but that's where you can find Henry Davis. Wait,
0: is Henry Davis in our top ten?
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> we yes, we even we even did this on guys in the IL. Um, but yeah, I mean the upside is there. Anytime you he hit two ninety four in Bradenton last year. Um, and that's with learning a new position he's he, he's bouncing around um you know i think he'll be he'll he's gonna play out okay uh, but i love the versatility you really just don't see that from a player that catcher outfield kind of thing you see a catcher in a corner infielder or something like that but but he is a he's probably my most intriguing prospect
0: on the list uh, we got Quinn priester at number six and Quinn priester certainly a tremendously um highly uh, thought of prospect. He is not pitching right now, has an oblique injury. Uh, he is throwing uh, from all reports and throwing off a mound. So maybe we'll see him with the Altoona curve here before too long. First round draft pick in 2019, again, is not pitched yet this season, but uh, pretty much a top five prospect every on everybody's pirates list. So do we, when we're doing these rankings, Do we drop him a whole lot just because he's not pitching, Jared? Or do we still say, hey, once he gets through this little minor setback, he he still has a chance to be a fantastic prospect. Oh, and get only only 21 years old as well.
1: Right. And I think that's the thing is the body of work. Right. And and sometimes that's both a good thing and a bad thing. And I think we're going to get that um, really when we hit the top five. Um, cause that's when we, I mean, that's when we're going to talk about some of the guys that, yeah, they have outperformed their rankings and they've underperformed some of their rankings too, but yeah, we just haven't seen his stuff. We haven't seen, I mean, we, you and I both agree that triple a or not triple a, but double a is really when men are made, uh, as baseball players, uh, because pitchers go from, um, throwers to pitchers. There's more, um, command. There's more detail orientation, um, in the way that pitches and are sculpted and pitches, are you know played out uh during games and and yeah i mean it, it's tougher you know because you guys you have guys that are have played in the league before you have guys that are that have potential to play in the league not that they don't in, in high a or low a but you know it's a lot more defined and we just haven't seen him play and, that, and that's unfortunate because i think he's got a lot of talent you know looking at his peripherals from last year looking at his stats from last year you've got uh 97 and two-thirds innings um he only gave up 82 hits, gave up only eight home runs, 39 walks, uh struck out 98. You know, opponents hit, off, hit 225 off of him. You know, that that that's good. Um 3 3.04 ERA for um for the champion uh Grasshoppers, but you know, I'm excited to see him pitch. I mean, that's one of the guys that I've wanted to see pitch and see play all year and I can't wait until we actually
0: get to and see him play. Hopefully it'll only be another short period of time, a few weeks or so. Obliques can take a while. They can be weird, but hopefully we'll get to see Quinn Priester here in Altoona before too long.
1: Right. So that's 10 to 6. Um, let's go through those once again. We had Jiwon Bae at number 10, Jared Jones at number 9, Anthony Solomito at number 8, Andy Rodriguez at number 7, and Quinn Priester at number 6. So that gives us five left, and we're going to cover them when we come back for the third and final segment of the Young Bucks Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Young Bucks podcast and DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. He's Geiger. I'm Jared Prugar. And Corey, before we get to the top five, we have some guys that we'd like to mention that were very close on all of our lists that just didn't make the cut for one reason or another. Um, First up, we talked about Matt Gorski. Um, Gorski comes up to Altoona just a few weeks ago. Um, He's on a tear in Greensboro. But it just again we talk about the body of work and the quality of work. It just did not fit that bill. Just is, there,
0: is there a concern with Gore? Let me let me let me throw in Mason Martin as well because Mason Martin is on our honorable mention here as well. Clearly, the concern with Mason Martin is the high strikeout total. Uh, is there is there a concern with Gorski, Jared?
1: I think so. Uh, when you look at kind of the when you break down his swing, um, there's a lot that kind of is out of control, and what I mean by that is that his front side opens a little bit earlier than it should. So he's a, he's a very pull happy type of player. Uh, and you can see it in his hands and, and just kind of the the bat path with his hands. Um, that you know, upper level pitchers are probably going to be able to get past him a lot at a lot higher rate than than maybe some softer throwing guys. Now that's just an observation, um, and I've only seen him a couple hand a couple of times. So I'm interested to see how that continues to play out. Because in my honest opinion, he's working with one of the best, if not the best hitting coach in the organization with John Nunley and Altoona, a guy that people speak glowingly about every stop that he is, that he is at.
0: And Mason Martin, again, uh, he is on our honorable mention list. He's only batting 228, but he does have 11 homers in 49 games. He's striking out 39% of the time. That is clearly going to be the issue with Mason Martin, but We, we, you know, he certainly has enough power potential to be on our honorable mention list. I've mentioned Blake Sable several times having a terrific year with the Altuna curve, Matt Fraser, uh, Bubba, Bubba Chandler also is one more that we want to mention. 19 year old kid uh, has not started pitching yet. Uh, He was in rookie ball last year. Matt Fraser is a very interesting one. He is not having a good year at all with the Altuna Jared, he's batting 210, a little bit better lately, Uh, but he, he has not lived up to what he did last year in the breakout year. But yet th- there was a feeling amongst our staff that Matt Fraser still deslo- deserves to be mentioned somewhere around the top 10.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing for him is that, you know, it, it's just kind of improving. And I think the biggest thing is he's finally he's finally starting to come around. He's, the bat is starting to play a little bit better. He's striking out and at, at a brutal rate. You know, now over the last 10 games, he's hit 263. Um, and, you know, he's starting to show some pop. In uh, his bat, you know, he's got a triple, two, uh, two triples and a homer. Um, but the biggest thing is he's finally, it's that's finally starting to click for him. And to continue and pick up where he left off, both in Greensboro and now too, in the last year, was going to be damn near impossible. Mm-hmm. But and when you have those lofty expectations, it's tough to live up to them. And again, double A baseball is is quite an adjustment. So it'll be interesting to see really, you know, how things go moving forward?
0: Well, right. speaking to that adjustment. Okay, so there we go. Let's get into our top five because we've got Nick Gonzalez at number five. Now, Nick Gonzalez. Some people have him rated as the Pirates' number one prospect. We've got him. He, he's had a tougher adjustment at the Double A level. He's striking out forty percent of the time, and he's been above forty percent the whole season. When you watch Nick Gonzalez, you see a good ball player. Nick Gonzalez. Certainly, the fir- first-round pick, uh, number seven overall in 2020, a lot of upside. He is 23 years old, but there's so much upside, obviously. The, the strikeout number has been pretty alarming. Uh, apparently, he struck out a lot early in the year last year at Greenboro, Jared, Greensboro. but we, we have him at number five um, essentially because he, he, he's just had a little bit of an issue with the strikeout. I do expect him to have a really strong second half, though.
1: Yeah, I think he's done a better job um, this portion of the season and especially in the month of May, um, just adjusting. You know, I thought he was overpowered at times with the fastball um, and just swinging through way too many pitches. But at the same time, I mean, he's made that adjustment. He's gotten a lot better. He's now, um, you know, over the last 10 games, hitting 237. And I think that's, I think that is very good for him. you know, is it? He hit three hundred and two last year. Now, this is, is going to be his full first full season. He only appeared in eighty games last year, so he's over halfway to his total last year because he has dealt with uh, dealt with some injuries. So it'll be interesting to
0: see, you know, what he can continue to do. Um, well, he but, did hit eight, he had eighteen homers last year, and that's 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 good, folks. You know, I'm forty eight years old. I hate saying this, Jared. You might hate saying this at thirty. I hate saying that a forty percent strikeout rate is acceptable ever at any level of baseball but if you hit a ton of home runs oh god i hate saying it 40 percent people can live with but nick gonzalez has four home runs this year and he's striking out at 40 percent. He, he's got to get that figured out
1: yeah i mean the the strikeout rate's got to be better you know he's got to put the ball in play and you know when he does that he's got the speed to be there now he does he does have some decent plate discipline. He's got um, 25 walks, but again, it's the K's And, and that's, you know, he's at 61 K's in the year. That's uh, not very good. Right. So, you know, if he can turn those around and I think over the last few games, he has been able to do that. um, I think he'll be just fine. Um, But, you know, too many O for O for nights going with two or three strikeouts. And You know, stuff like that can't happen when you're, you know, when you've got all the expectations of the world on your shoulders.
0: Let's get to a guy at number four, Jared, that we all love. And to be perfectly honest with you, most of us all rated one, two, three, four, five, kind of about the same. And it's based on projection. And and I'm not going to give away those. Number four is Altoona curve pitcher, Mike Burroughs. And I'll say this, I, I, I would like to rank him number one on this list, to be perfectly honest with you, because from from what I think Mike Burroughs could potentially be, uh, I, I mean, I think he could potentially be a superstar. We weren't going to rank him above some of the people that we do have ranked on our list, the names that everybody knows and has known for a long time, because Mike Burroughs entered this season really a little bit under the radar. But Jared, I'll tell you what, and I know you've seen him uh, many times as well. In Altoona, Mike Burrows has what it takes. We we talked about Rowanzi Contreras all last year. Mike Burrows was leading the minor leagues in ERA until his last start when he he, he got uh, he struggled a little bit. He he's off to a terrific start.
1: Yeah, Burrows is I think the real deal, and he's a friend of the podcast. Alex and I had him on um, in two thousand and twenty but you know he's a guy that really flows flies right under the radar but the stuff plays man I've seen his um, I've seen his curveball in action and that thing's high revolution high, high rpms he's, he's typically between 2900 and 3,000 um, rpms when it comes to his curveball which is incredible so that's an insane amount of movement um, when it comes to that pitch. you know he has got quality stuff he's performed incredibly well this year in double A. And I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I don't even think he should be in double A anymore. There's no reason why he shouldn't be in Indianapolis. Yeah.
0: He is only 22. Let's give a, we'll, we might spend more time on Mike Burroughs on this podcast than any other player, because Mike Burroughs was sensational last year at Greensboro and really didn't get the notoriety. I don't think that he deserved. He was two and two, two twenty ERA and 13 starts a whip of zero. Anytime the whip starts with a zero, you got to take note. 0.898. I mean, my God, that is a tremendous whip. This year with the curve, 236 ERA and 10 starts, 45 innings, 32 hits allowed, 57 Ks in 45 innings, only 16 walks. So, so again, you're talking about a guy who, and we talked to him extensively in the, in the preseason, he missing the 2020 season might have been bad for a lot of guys. Mike Burroughs was just another dude. He was just another dude. He was an 11th round pick. And what we talked about extensively with Mike Burroughs, Jared, was he used 2020 when he wasn't pitching to make leaps and bounds in his development. He went out and he worked his ass off. He talked about guys, some guys were on the couch in 2020. Mike Burroughs went out and worked his tail off and made himself an elite prospect.
1: Right. And, you know, it- that 2020 year, if you didn't get invited to the outside, you really had, you were on your own. Yep. Um, and I remember time you go, Tom,
0: you go we, sit on the couch or you, or you double down on your career is basically and he, what you do. He got in the
1: gym and got with guys that worked his, worked his ass off and, and worked on that, that pitching and, and getting that the RPMs and the spin rates and all the stuff that, that, the high data, the, the highly analytical, um, People need right now, and you know, I thought that was um, impressive. You speak with him; he's all business, um, and I think that's admirable too. And he, and again, you know, there are some hiccups along the way, um, but at the same time, he's doing a great job. It, opponents are still only hitting number one ninety three off of him, and I think that is a big factor for me when evaluating pitchers: is what are the opponents doing off of yeah. you? And you know, every time he goes out there, it's impressive. Um, but enough about Mike Burroughs, because we're going to get to him a lot more. Let's talk about who I think is the, the shortstop of the
0: future. Leo Ver Piguero. We've got him at number three on our list. Uh, he's had a terrific start for the Altuna curve. He has scuffled a little bit over the last couple of weeks. He's been in the 320 range, you know, with his batting average for a while um, he, he's, he's down to the 293 mark right now. He's absolutely having a terrific year. There's no question. Uh, and, and he's really been, for the most part, the Curves' best player. Blake Sable has kind of been in that discussion as well. But Pagero, terrific offensively, uh, really good defensively. We've got him at number three. He's considered an elite prospect in, in all of minor league baseball. So, uh, again, our staff, we all agreed – on numbers one, two, and three on this list. And we, and we agreed with Pagaro at number three.
1: Yeah. And piguero has got the stuff, I man. I, I, I've mentioned him in my opinion, by no means am my scout, but I've seen a, a lot of baseball, both as a coach, as a player, as, as a journalist, I think he's got all the tools to play the position of shortstop in the future. And if you want to look, and, and this is a guy, I know I'm giving it away here. Um, when we talk about him here in a few minutes, This is the guy that's forcing O'Neill Cruz to the outfield, Um, and it's Figueroa. I think what he's able to do with the glove, he is still very, very raw when it comes to certain things, Um, and I I think so, especially defensively. He's only twenty-one years old, Mm -hmm. right? He's a two-thousands baby, which is insane to me. But the kid can play, and at 6'2", 200 pounds, um, you know, he's got a great frame, and this is a guy that came over in the trade for Starling Marte and Brendan Malone who very easily could see himself uh, a, a factor on our podcast here moving forward but you know it's a guy that, that really has um, a guy that, that he's got a good bat speed he's got good exit velo and I think that's the one thing that can hurt him in the end is his over aggressiveness both in the field and at the plate but you know as he can continues to get consistent um, both on the field and in the batter's box, I think the, the future is very bright for Piguero.
0: I hope he – look, he's going to be challenged the second half in Double A, And so he, he got off to such a great start, and hopefully he can uh, make whatever adjustments are needed and finish strong because when you're playing shortstop, the higher levels you get, when you've got all that defensive pressure on you, uh, to be a good offensive player can be challenging. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how he handles that challenge. Uh, and I'm actually looking forward to seeing number two on our list get back to playing for the Altoona Curve. We only got to see him for a couple of days. That is Henry Davis, the number one overall pick uh, from a year ago. And he's number two on our list. Uh, everybody then can probably guess who is number one. We'll get to that in a couple minutes. But Henry Davis with the wrist issue. Um, he's back to baseball activities. I'm hoping we can see him back playing here, Jared, within the next week or so.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of unfortunate that we weren't able to see me Homer in his first, uh, first game with the curve, uh, had played really well and and takes one off a wrist. And I think he was dealing with some lingering things too. And it was just better for them to shut him down, um, and get back to full health, uh, because they, they need it. I mean, the catching depth at the major leagues, uh, level is not good. Catching depth outside of Blake Sable and Carter bins and the minor leagues is not the greatest either. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, body work, he was absolutely raking um, in Greensboro. And, you know, he was hitting 341, um, 585 slugging percentage, OPS of one, 1.035 in 22 games, you know. And this is for his really his ex- most extensive look there. He played in six games at Greensboro last year after tearing up uh, the rookie league after um, – you know, after being drafted. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how he continues to develop because they need a catcher and they need a catcher back. And this is the catcher of the future. And <laughs> I mean, that's, there's a lot riding on that. And especially as a, as a first overall pick, you know, you hope the best for him and, and you hope a long, long way of health. Now I don't think that he's going to be in the majors until 2024 at the earliest, maybe a couple of T uh, next year, depending on how his development goes. But this is a guy that I'm really excited to watch moving forward.
0: As is everybody, and there is every reason in the world to believe that Henry Davis can be an outstanding hitter at at any point. The hit-by-pitch thing and the health issue, the hit-by-pitch, it's just bizarre. I'm looking at his college numbers. In college, his last year at Louisville, in 184 at-bats, 228 plate appearances – he got hit 11 times, Jared. 11 times. This year, in 108 uh, uh, plate appearances, only 87 at-bats, he's been hit 11 times. Now, look, you can get hit. It can be fluke. It can be coincidence. It can be all kinds of weird things. But basically, in this guy's last 350 at-bats, he's been hit 22 times. Now, yeah. he's, he's a catcher. And he's also going to take you know, the, the physical you know, struggles from, from being behind the plate. I, I, I only got to see Henry Davis for a couple games now, Tuna. I, he, he does look like he's crowded. There, there's got to be something with this getting hit by pitch. Okay, It can just be an unbelievable coincidence or fluke. Is he crowding too much? Is he hanging in there too much? On some pitches, thinking the ball is he not seeing? I, I, I don't know. I, I, but I'm telling you, a guy that's been hit 22 times in his last 350 at bats man, that's a gigantic number.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's an alarming number. I think when you look at it uh, as a whole, but if you look at his batting stance and where his hands are in regards to the plate, they kind of, he is kind of subjected to um, pitches that are inside. And, and if and you're the, a catcher, and the, and the Jared, that's a dangerous a catcher, game.
0: You got to protect your hand. I mean, see, look, I, look. He's the number one overall pick. Everybody wants to see Henry Davis succeed, but I'm telling you, it, 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 especially from what you just said about the hand, you got to protect your hands because your your hands are going to take a beating as a catcher behind the plate. You can't you can't be getting hit all kinds of times in your hands or whatever, especially when you're coming off a wrist injury right now. Yeah,
1: the benefit for him is that, the, that there's a universal DH. So if he's not hitting, if he's not catching, he can be a DH right so he gets a a night off per se but yeah i mean you you don't necessarily want to change anything because it's worked for him because he still hits the ball and he's able to get to that outside outer half of the plate which is what you need as as a catcher which is what you need as a hitter and you know again it's you don't want to mess with something that's not necessarily broken but at the same time you know you got to be cognizant that this is a dangerous game to play if pitchers, pitchers knowing where his hands are, are going to throw inside and try to make their presence known. Because if I'm a pitcher, I want to make my presence known, and, this, and, and everybody wants to get this guy out. He was a top pick last year. Everybody wants it, wants his number. They want to strike him out. They want to get him out. They don't want to be the guy that he hits a homer off of, right? And because it's they're they're proving themselves against him. So you know, it'll be interesting to see how that if there are any changes um, to him at the plate, maybe with his batting stance or where his hands are, or maybe they back him off the plate a little bit. But I I think when he comes back, that he'll be right back where he was. And and if that means getting on base, then that's great. And as long as he's staying healthy, then, you know, it's a situation where you just have to, have to kind of be uh, ready to go and, and see what happens.
0: And without further ado, everyone could guess this. The number one prospect in our initial top 10 is O'Neill Cruz. I think he has the highest upside of anybody that we're talking about. He has the chance to be a potential superstar in the big leagues. He has not hit particularly great this season at Indianapolis. He is doing better of late. He's up to two twenty three. The OPS is seven forty five. He's got eight homers, twenty eight RBIs. I think, knock on wood, I think we're going to see O'Neill Cruz in Pittsburgh before I, I, before too long. They could not call him up when he was hitting one ninety five. I don't care how much hype there is around a guy. If you're going to send a guy down to say he needs some work, you can't call him up when he's hitting 195. He's doing better. Now. I think O'Neill Cruz, I'd like to see him in Pittsburgh before too long. And I am 100% steadfast in my belief that he will be for the long haul in the major leagues, an outfielder and not a shortstop.
1: Yeah. And as I said earlier, when we talked about Leo, I think that is the shortstop of the future. Um, but I think cruz I think Cruz's game plays in the outfield. He's athletic. he you let him roam in center field or left field. Um, he's got the arm. It's just does he want to play there? I think that's what it comes down to. And he I think, had better.
0: He's six foot seven. there has never, and I say never, not ever, ever, ever in the history of major league baseball ever been a player, his height play everyday shortstop for any long period of time. That's 140 years of history saying that he will not be an everyday shortstop for a three, four, five. Can he play shortstop in the big leagues? Sure. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 games. He can't, he's not going to be an everyday shortstop for three, four, five years. That is not the way to go. I I'm a, I I'm high on O'Neal Cruz. He is not going to be an everyday shortstop for the long haul for the Pittsburgh pirates. It is too, it is, it's too much to ask of a six foot seven man who has tremendous offensive ability to have to have him play the offense and the defensive position of shortstop nowadays, especially when you've got anybody else.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, I, I don't necessarily love the glove. I love the arm and I think that just plays better in the outfield. But again, for me, for him, and I think we saw this initially, It's He's got to get over the mental hump of wanting to play in the outfield, knowing
0: that's where he's going to make millions and millions of dollars in the major leagues if he's able to perform. He's Um, played eight games in left field for Indy so far, 35 at short, 8 in the outfield.
1: Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, is that the guys, and this is going to be weird to say, but guys like Diego Castillo, guys like Michael Chavis, and guys that are in front of him on the depth chart in, in Pittsburgh, haven't played badly enough where he's been able to get called up. Now, Castro, absolutely, Castro got demoted when he not, didn't hustle to first base over the weekend, and I'll be seeing him in Indianapolis on Wednesday. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the guys in front of him haven't overly, haven't, haven't, there hasn't been an performance where he's absolutely just smashing the ball and that he should be the guy that gets called
0: up. And there, we saw that with Castro, and we saw that with some other guys too. It's June 6th. What day do you think? What, when, what's the day, day you think O'Neill Cruz is called up?
1: Well, Super 2 has already passed, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say... It may be before our next podcast a week from. Now. I'm gonna I'm gonna say June 12th. I I think that the youth movement is on in Pittsburgh. There's already the call for. It. I think I'm gonna I'm I'll say six days from when we're recording. I, I think O'Neill is up pretty soon.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And I'm excited to see it. Um, he did well last year when he was called up, and you know I you want to see the best players play, but you know they again you got to buy into what the team and the organization is doing. and I don't think that he's fully bought into the outfield project. and I get it. Listen, you've played shortstop your entire life. you want to be a shortstop. but at the same time, the pirates have to do what's best for their organization
0: and and to me and to you, I, I think that's him playing in the outfield. Hopefully everybody has enjoyed our top ten. We'll update these top tens every week and we'll have notes and and anecdotes and quotes from uh, various players every week here on Tuesdays at DK Pittsburgh Sports. Uh, Jared and I will do some of these more, more of these minor league podcasts as well. But hopefully everybody enjoyed our, our initial top 10 and, and, and see some of the reasoning behind why we have certain guys in various spots.
1: Right. So we'll talk again next week. So we thank you, as always, for listening. For Corey Geiger, this has been Jared Brugar on the Young Bucks podcast and the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Thank you. And as always, have a safe week.